Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Plain Glass Podcast, where we discuss worship leadership, church music, and a myriad of other stuff. My name is Chris. And my name is Jay. On last week's episode, we discussed what it looked like to be a worshiper while leading worship. This week is kind of part two of that discussion, but we're talking about what it looks like to worship off the stage. But before we do that, we're going to talk about a most recent Sunday. You ready, Chris? Let's do it. So Jay, this is true for both you and I, and arguably most of the people who are listening to this podcast, they've either recently been through an Easter worship service, or they've led through one. And Easter, as we discussed on previous episodes, is one of the biggest Sundays of the year for most churches, definitely for ours. There's a heightened sense of kind of everything. Mm -hmm. So we haven't had a chance yet to take stock of that and think through some of the things that we're encouraging. So can you share some about your Easter? Yeah, sure. So I will share everything leading up to everything starting that morning leading up to the very first service uh, felt very stressful. Okay. I think we had a late start as far as rehearsal goes. The day of? Mm-hmm. And then we had some issues with the slides that were like we had to fix them. Mm-hmm just a couple minutes before we had, I had to be on stage. Nobody's listening can relate to that. <laughs> right. There's no way. And I'm thinking to myself, as this is happening, not on Easter. <laughs> yeah. But of course on of Easter. Of course on Easter. <laughs> yeah. And then I went up onto the stage <clears throat> and got my guitar on, but my head was not ready mm-hmm. at all. And I just kind of turned to all of the musicians who are all across, you know, kind of, spread across the stage mm-hmm. and I just said, Hey, I need to pray. And and I just prayed for the service and I prayed for my heart mm-hmm. and my mind to be present and not worrying about all these, all the stress that I just kind of experienced yeah. leading up to it. And really just to be able to lead worship out of joy. I prayed that prayer. We started the prelude. I immediately messed up the opening lick nice. to the prelude. I was playing this, uh, this, Chris Renzema song, Son of God. Oh, yeah. Um, we did it as our prelude. I love Chris Renzema. Yeah. As an aside. Yeah. He's pretty great. Yeah. I could tell, like, even in the prelude, my head was not, I wasn't ready for this service at all. Mm-hmm. But we in, we finished the prelude, like, right when I addressed the congregation, my whole, everything changed. And I was just so excited to be doing what we were doing. It was, it was, it was the Holy Spirit's work in me, I think. But the Lord answered my prayer because I felt like I was just having a, just a wonderful time with the church singing these wonderful songs. And it was great. And in the second service, even more so. Mm. It was kind of like I got all the junk out leading, you know, in that prelude of that first service. And then both of those services were just really wonderful. And we had a ton of visitors. It was almost like I, almost like I wasn't leading worship for my church because there were so many people who weren't regular attenders, but it was really wonderful to be able to sing these songs for them. I got to share these really wonderful gospel saturated songs with these people. And that was, that was pretty, pretty incredible. That's awesome, man. I love the feeling of it's almost like you're, it's like you kind of invite somebody to dinner, mm-hmm. you know, 
around your table and you've got all these norms and practices that are just a part of your family life and you don't really think much of them necessarily when you're going about your routine daily life but then you bring somebody in and everything kind of takes on a new light and new perspective it's like that with an eye for hospitality I think that there can be a heightened enjoyment of some of the things that are really good. And then the flip side of that, you can also have like, man, I'm really hurting when those slides are off and it's right before church. And, you know, there's a reason why you want them to be good, especially for the Sunday. It's kind of because so many people who might not have any idea who God really is Mm -hmm. are going to church a couple times a year, realistically, Mm -hmm. you know, and it feels like a huge opportunity. So I love that that image of just you're excited to share yeah. what I, what you have, you know, and hopefully that's the way that everybody in the room feels. It's interesting to kind of lead from that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. What about you? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I would, I had a similar experience, I think really kind of across the board. So not really much to add, but I, I remember very clearly there was a moment when we were all singing together. We had actually brought in, we hired a, a pianist, a young, like a, a piano student. That's right. It, it had a similar feel of that, kind of that extended reach and hospitality. I don't know where he would have been for Easter. Right. You know, it was just really, I was so glad to have him here. But music was a little different because we had somebody new and I had never played with him before the Saturday prior to Easter. So in some ways it was a big risk, mm-hmm. but I was really pleased with him and especially how our team really kind of enfolded him. Yeah. And then I saw people, we have like a greeting time in our service. Several people went over to greet him and welcome him. That's awesome. And thank him for being there. And I just, just kind of watching the church be the church. I, that, that memory really mm. sticks out. So in lots of new faces. Yeah. So, um, and we've actually seen quite a few back subsequent Sundays too. So we really had, there's sort of this momentum that began with Easter that's continued as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So in the last episode, we talked about what it looks like to lead worship on a Sunday and also worship with the church. One of the things we mentioned on that was not always being on stage and finding time in your life to just receive because you're giving and you're giving week to, you know, week to week. And that can be difficult to really be fully engaged in simply worshiping because you're doing all of these things but to be off the stage and be in the audience or congregation and just just be singing and receiving that leadership from somebody else but that poses another issue possibly which actually ties us to a question we recently got from a listener is that right chris yeah would you share that question with us and i think this will lead us into our discussion for this episode So here's the question. It's just two things. I'll share both. Thank you for always considering if an arrangement or addition is aiding and leading the congregation to a place of worship or just another distraction. So that's the perspective of a worshiper. Yeah. And that's a helpful insight to just think about. It's kind of the thrust of a lot of what we discuss on this podcast is really being thoughtful. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that, that word from this listener. Here's the question. Have you ever experienced cynicism 
or an overcritical ear towards other worship leaders. How do you combat that? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Those are really, really good questions. <laughs> They're so good. We want to talk, we want to talk about it. Yeah. And so, it is timely in the discussion last time. It connects really well because the answer to both of the, the, the answer to the first question is absolutely yes. Yeah. About that, about having cynicism. Yes. Cynicism and overcritical ear. Yes. It's, it can be really hard. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, you can't always be leading. Sometimes you need to be led. It can be really hard to let somebody lead you. Yeah. Really, it is. Absolutely. And some of that, you know, we could think through that. I think we need to sit in it for a minute and think through why that is. And then we can definitely talk about a couple of areas where we can fight against it. Sure. Why do you think... For you personally, where do you think the cynicism comes from? I'm not sure cynicism is the word that I would use for myself necessarily. Although, and Jay, you know this about me. I'm a pretty cynical person. It can come out in my humor, I think primarily. But oh, yeah. I can be very cynical. I mean, we can be very cynical. And we've actually had to... <laughs> stop ourselves sometimes. <laughs> well, this is a story that's relevant to the conversation. Jay and I, one of the first experiences that we had, we attended a conference together <laughs> and it's about worship and it is a national, really, really good conference. Yeah. yeah. A very special thing. I'm not sure why I'm dodging saying what it is, but I'm not going to say what it was. <laughs> this conference though, it's like of all places, you should just be able to lay your stuff down and go, these people know what they're doing and I have a lot to learn. Yeah. I arrived, I don't know what I expected, but it's like our personalities together fed into just this cynicism vortex. This monster. And it started to weigh us down. And Yeah, it was. It was like this big, ugly, cynic monster on us just pushing us down. At some point, I don't remember how we came to and realized that. I'll tell you how. Okay, do you remember how this happened? Because we had a third person with us. One of my former team members who had moved away. Tenderhearted. And he's young in, in worship leadership, and he was not cynical at all. And you could actually, I could tell our cynicism was actually causing some issues. And I remember turning to you at some point and be like, we, we need to tone this yeah, down. Yeah, we need to scale it back we, a little bit. We don't want to ruin this for Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it is cynicism for me. I get yeah. I can get to these places where... All I'm doing is critiquing. Yeah. I'm critical by nature. And some of what we do when we're the leader, we need to be critical, not in a destructive way, but in a constructive way. Mm -hmm. And people are depending on us for that. And there's a way about doing that. You figure out how to lead your teams and lead your congregation and be critical without being overbearing, maybe without being cynical. My tendency when I get to lay all that stuff down, when I get to let go of what my responsibilities are, I keep the very critical eye. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to lay that down. Yeah. So the struggle for me, I think where it comes from is in some ways it's not a necessarily coming from a bad place. It's coming from it's the way that I'm wired. I think it's why I'm able to do what I do well. Yeah. In part is because I have... It's almost like I can divide up my ear into all these different strata at once and notice a bunch of little things at once. You have to have the ability to do that mm -hmm. in order to really produce something of value. 
Yeah. Turning that off is not just like a switch that you turn off. No. It's a it's a spiritual process for me. So some of that is just if I'm not remembering that I need to actually be approaching this with humility mm-hmm. and lay aside okay, it's my turn to be led. I need to look somewhere else other than my own sense of what's right and wrong Yeah. in order to approach that well. What about you in regards to cynicism or maybe there's another word? Yeah, I I like, I think he uses some kind of phrase like overly critical or that is more in line with the way I, on Sunday mornings, if I'm not leading worship and maybe I'm not at my church and, and we're, out of town or whatever, and mm-hmm. we're just out of a church. Um, I find myself unable to let go of the the leader part of me that thinks I should do it, thinks it should be done this way or that way, or why is he why why did he choose you know this song or you know like yeah, take your pick of the like. Well, I wouldn't do it that way. Right, exactly. Whatever it is. And I find myself unable to release that kind of stuff and just sing. And I don't know if it's like a trust thing. Like I don't trust the person on stage mm-hmm. because like when I'm at our church and I'm not leading worship, I'm not necessarily, I'm not like that because I know the people and I care for the people and mm-hmm. like I want to see them succeed. And so I don't find myself like trying to place myself in that position and I think maybe that's been part of it in the past is like, honestly, if we're at like the core of it, it's thinking that I'm better than that person. Yeah, totally. Right. The gloves have come off. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just thinking that I'm better than that person. Yeah. I appreciate you being truthful there. That's, yeah. I think that is really at the heart of a lot of those feelings. Yeah. Is a sense of superiority. Yeah. Because I've thought through this stuff and you know, I found that this does it really well at our church, but there's a component that I think that we neglect or we don't think about is that context matters. Yeah. I mentioned it in one of our first episodes that I did music for a friend of mine's wedding and I went to a church in that town and I found myself doing a lot of those things. One of the things that I realized after that service, I'm not leading these people and I don't know these people in this church. I do not know the context of which this person's leading out of in the history of this church mm-hmm. and why, you know, so the choices that they make in the way that they're leading and the way they put songs together or choose to arrange the instruments, all of that stuff, it's not in a vacuum that you can just transplant from one congregation to another. Yeah. And it, and it works the same every single time. Especially if you're talking about, I think smaller congregations that don't necessarily have, you know, like there are like Hillsong is planting kind of around right yep I'm, i don't mean to like throw them under the bus I'm, there's nothing wrong with this model but they they are taking from what i can tell there's a kind of a framework that they're taking places is mainly large urban areas and in that sense that's kind of a context in itself right heavy you know dense population cultural area whatever if you're kind of thinking about just going to middle america or just the average congregation in the average town or small city in the U.S. might be very different than a mega church in an urban area, right? Right, right. And so you're you try to think through that and realize there's way more nuance in each specific congregation than mm-hmm. I I could even conceive of. Yeah, I'd need to be there for a while to realize, oh, 
makes sense this thing that they do or yeah makes sense that they wouldn't do it this way or you know you only have one visit to that church at my own church when i'm not leading i said it's not that i'm criticizing what's happening i'm just being me looking at that closet door that has the light shining underneath because the light right. wasn't turned off you know like when you were saying that earlier that's what i was thinking that when i'm when i'm in our space yeah and it's not me leading i have i have i can do it but it's really a challenge for me to not pay attention to every little detail yeah especially details you don't notice when you're up there on stage it's like oh i have this whole other perspective right and more things that i can be hypersensitive to and aware of and critical of yeah. So in some ways it can even be harder when I'm in our own space, in my own space versus yeah. going somewhere else. So that's the problem. Yeah. And it can apply not only to music or style. There can be right. like a, like a philosophical edge to a place that you just go, I don't get how they could come at ministry this way from this angle. Mm-hmm. Or there can be this theological, well, I take issue with these things. You know, there's these different layers to, I think, and that might help, it, you know, if if you're listening to this and thinking, well, I'm not really a worship leader, so how does this apply to me? Just think about any time you walk into a church that maybe it's not what you're comfortable with or used to and the types of things that you notice. Is there a tendency to be critical? Is there a tendency to have a layer of, I arrived with an expectation of what church should be? And then you're suddenly faced with this other thing. Mm-hmm. There's no way it's going to meet all your expectations. Right. So have you ever been in that place? And that's that's the problem. You share that with the worship leader too. Mm-hmm. If you can identify with that in any way. So that's sitting in the problem for a little bit. Um, the one other part of that question that the listener uh, asked was, how do you combat it? And one thing that comes to my mind, one, I think, huge thing uh, to consider is humility. So when I talked about feeling like you're better than somebody else, and that's where a lot of your overly critical and cynical kind of mindset comes from, you need to combat that with humility hmm. and confessing. Well, one, you need to confess like the pride that you're experiencing in that moment. And that's not easy for anybody. I mean, no, 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 you're no. saying that it's almost like you're saying it to yourself just as much as you would say it to anybody else. Absolutely. I can see your, I can see your body language right now. It's, we all know this is a problem that starts inside. It's me. And so I need to recognize that. Absolutely. On my way in, maybe before Absolutely. I even get there. Lord, would you help me yeah. lay some of this down because I'm grasping for something that really belongs to you and I don't exactly. I don't want to walk into this place with that attitude. Will and, you help me? And part of that, I think, too, is evidence of we're still putting ourselves in place where Jesus is supposed mm-hmm. to be in our hearts. We're the leader that's a- able to create this perfect experience or whatever for people. The second thing, which is part of humility, uh, so I talked about like, 
critiquing of the worship leaders just a second ago, I also talked about just not letting go of that part of my job, even when I'm not supposed to be doing that. I think that's also part of this humility aspect of letting go of that leadership for this hour and a half so that you can really enter in and receive the leadership mm-hmm. from other people. Like you can say that, but then actually doing that's really difficult. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for me, but I think it, it is something that you have to pray. And like you just said a moment ago, like before you're even going into the service, asking for help to not be, the, I don't, I don't need to be the leader right now. Yeah. I just, I just need to be part of the, the church and just be a congregant. And this is one of the things that I think is, is especially challenging for leaders because you're you're in it so much as the leader, it can be almost like an out-of-body experience to be there from the other side. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll feel like, well, this is really an opportunity for me to look at it through the eyes of the congregant, and I could glean a lot of of helpful information for leader me from congregant me. Right. You know? When that's not really, I mean, as helpful as that is to to leave with some ideas of like, this is what I would change. And maybe not even, like it's not even wrong necessarily to go, well, I've noticed something today that I think I could make some changes that would help with this. Sure. It doesn't have to sideline the actual act of you coming in and wanting to support and do what we're hoping every member of the congregation does mm-hmm. when they come in. Just participate in this thing that I'm not on the line to make this happen. And neither is the person coming in. God has committed himself to embodying the praise of his people, Mm. you know, so that going in with that expectation, it's really a challenge for me personally, but I want to be able to have that experience as a congregant that's participating at the level that I hope everybody that's coming in is participating. Yeah. And I think that's, if anything, you know, we didn't say it in the last episode, but we, it, you, that needs to be addressed even here now. Yeah. What is, what is worship ultimately? Right. And who is the one enacting it? Yeah. It's not us. It's not us. It's not us. And it's vitally important to any discussion about worship. I'm sure we've said this over and over in various ways, but specifically when we're thinking about how to worship as the leader. Right. On or off the stage, recognizing the cosmic reality into which we're invited every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. And never just showing up because it's that thing we're doing that's hard but it's really the same perspective from both sides yep and it's really difficult to get there i'll admit but that's the reality it's not just like a theory this is the reality yeah you know i think the other thing you mentioned this earlier and it's worth expanding a little bit but your the context matters Mm. i would you could say culture matters whether it's the culture of the place that you're in Mm -hmm. or even just the broader culture of where you are at what point do I start to assume that the way that I'm worshiping in North America is the way God wants to be and must be worshiped? Right. When culturally there are all these other expressions of worship that are not forbidden by scripture or I need to have a lot more margin probably than I want to. Oh yeah. And I can be very rigid, especially I'm from a reformed background. We're known for being pretty rigid with things. So I have to challenge myself to be much more open to interpretive differences where worship is concerned yeah and some of that too just going in and recognizing i'm not in my spot here and but i want to be for these people because they're worshiping the same god and they're calling on the name of the son Mm. of god 
and they're doing these things in his name in a way that is right and fitting and scripture allows. I should be able to enter in with that and receive mm-hmm. and, and serve, go in planning on being, I want to be a participant in this and serve this body, build up this group of believers. You know, it's, and it's interesting too, because that's what we, at least you and I would say, we long for that, for our church members to be that way. Yeah. With us to be this, to, to not be critical, to be, laying down their preferences mm-hmm. for the the good of the entire body and to really seek to build up the entire body. And yet it's hard for us to do the same thing when we're not leading. What we're asking the church to do every week, we also need to do that when we're not leading. Yeah. So a final thought for me and um, one of my go-to first of all, I want to push us into scripture wherever we can. I think we're trying to be careful about not just throwing Bible passages at problems. Right. Because a lot of times that's not maybe as practical, as helpful as it could be if we just talk about it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Romans 12, and I've shared this before, but there's just, it's this spiritual act of worship, offering your body's living sacrifice. Very commonly quoted scripture. The second half of it that's not commonly read because it's a very long kind of laborious list. It's all about deference and selflessness in worship. Mm and honoring one another, outdoing one another in showing honor. Mm-hmm. This act of service that goes so far beyond preference. And there's no hint of what I expect or want in this passage. Yeah, But it absolutely shapes and frames how I'm trying to lead and drive others to lead. I'll admit, I throw it out when I go to another church. Yeah, I just, It's like I completely forget who I am. Scriptures remind me who I am and what God is building me into. So if you're listening and saying, I have a really hard time going into this church that I'm going to right now and not just thinking about everything that's wrong, open your Bible and read Romans 12 and let me know what happens. Mm. I'd love to hear, does it hit anything or give you any, any fresh perspective or new eyes for what your next encounter in that church might look like? In previous episodes, we've concluded our discussion with a song review. These have been from CCLI Top 100, and we've enjoyed that. We'll probably return to that at some point. Today, we'd like to take a different approach. So instead of critiquing a song that's out there, we're actually going to share something that's really been of value to us personally or for our churches in recent weeks. So Jay, do you have something that you'd like to share yeah, um, so when I was planning our Good Friday service, when I plan any of those special services, I, I try to think more outside the box musically. I try to listen to different arrangements of things to create some energy around songs that we've maybe done for a long time and freshen them up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so one one song that we that our church has sung pretty consistently, at least for the time that I've been here, is there's a fountain, the hymn, there's a fountain filled with blood. But the, um, the arrangement that we, that I just, that I found and and just really love is by a, a band called Norton Hall Band, which is a band that's part of 
Southern Seminary. Okay. I'll link it below so you can like listen to it and it might be a good fit for your church. I just want to share it because it's it was real it's a really fun arrangement and it kind of goes from pretty kind of standard kind of chill first verse every verse is almost like a progressively gets a little more bananas um <laughs> uh, as far as rhythmically like the drum right. the drummer kind of just does this different thing every single verse and then it kind of like moves it way back moves itself back on the last verse and it does five verses and okay. it does the lisping stammering tongue mm-hmm. verse which is great it's a yeah. great it's a great verse if you don't know this hymn just face value it's it's a great hymn yeah yeah. So that's something recently that, that we did, uh, for good Friday church seemed to really enjoy it. And, uh, and our band band loved playing it too. So, and that's something that I think is worth considering too, is like, is the band going to enjoy this arrangement? Oh, definitely. You know, and, and our band really, uh, the drummer, it challenged him, mm-hmm. which is great. And he killed it. He just, just, did, he just it. did a great job and it was so fun to play. It was so fun to play. But the words, it's great to have such a wonderful arrangement mm. with wonderful words, you know? I can't wait to look it up, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's mine. Uh, what about you? Okay. It's funny to me that we both thought of a service in Holy Week for this, and we both came up with our song at the same time. We have not discussed this prior. Yeah. Mine was from Monday Thursday. We didn't do much music for our Monday Thursday service. Okay. We discussed on a previous episode how we structured those. So if you haven't listened to that, feel free to go back and listen to that. It's our Holy Week episode. Yeah. Uh, so Monday Thursday, we did um, a psalm. So it's Psalm 42, Lord, from sorrows deep I call. Yeah. And this is, uh, it's not the Gettys music, but they're the ones, I don't know if it's, I mean, if you search it, it's going to come up under Getty. It was Matt, Matt Papa, Papa and yeah. Matt Boswell or Bleeker. Wait. One, Matt of the Papa. Ma- one of the many mats. One of the right. mats. So many mats. <laughs> and they're all great. <laughs> they're so good. This song it's kind of a ballad. Actually, Jay and I heard it performed by Matt Papa at mm-hmm. a conference and stunning. Just him on the piano and a cello. And it was chilling. It's one of those things where you get done and you just go, I'm so thankful for the word of God. Mm. So much better than something I could contrive. Mm. And this song speaks to the breadth of human experience in the way that really only, only the Psalms can. And we've mentioned how if you're struggling really with anything, the Psalms are a great place to go because chances are you're going to find words that are going to resonate with your experience as a human. Mm-hmm. The Psalms are amazing for that. And I love how songwriters are resetting the Psalms mm-hmm. to music. This one in particular, it's powerful. It's beautiful. It's very gentle. So the song, it invokes all this, you know, for so long I've pled and prayed, God, come to my rescue. Even so, the thorn remains, yet my heart will praise you. So this being in this place where things aren't right, and I'm asking, but I don't feel like he's listening. Mm. Or I'm asking questions that don't have answers, which we can all relate to. The Psalms allow me to be in that place. So this song, it, it results in praise. And so there's kind of this chorus at the end that they repeat that lifts and he's telling his soul to sing through the raging storm because he's mm. still God. He's still my salvation. And when we did it in our Monday Thursday service, it was really powerful. And I am not Matt Papa, and I did not have a cellist with me. <laughs> but we just offered it kind of simply and faithfully. And even in our you know kind of stripped-down context, it was still a great song. 
That's beautiful. Yeah, so we'll link that one as well, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Hey, thanks again, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode. Uh, you probably noticed that the runtime for this episode is significantly shorter than all of our other ones, really. And uh, we're trying to shorten it up because we want to be caring and accommodating to your time. Because some people don't don't really have as much time to listen to these, so we want to we want to be careful in, in what we're doing. So if that's been helpful for you, we'd love we'd love to hear that, and and you can contact us any way that's in our show notes that's listed there. Otherwise, we look forward to being with you again in a couple weeks.